0: Welcome Valley family to the conclusion of a series that we've been in over the last four weeks entitled Q&A where all of us in the Valley family at Christmas Eve had a chance to fill out surveys and indicate to us the top five questions that we've been wondering about what are the answers to from the pages of Scripture. And Dr. Greg's just done a great job uh, taking us through really big and meaty broad topics and, and highlighting for us practically what the Bible has to say. In week one, it was what about eternity and life after death? And then the next week, he talked to us us about what is God's purpose for our life? And then in week three, how do we overcome doubt? And last week, he did a great job with encouraging all of us to let go of offenses. And, and it's been a great, great series. We've gotten a lot of great feedback. And after all, you guys were the ones who chose these topics. So it's, it's really been a great, great series. And, 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 and here we're gonna conclude this series with topic number five. And here we had a tie. The same number of people in the Valley family wanted to know what the Bible had to say about angels and demons, uh, as well as wanted to know how to manage your emotions. And considering this weekend is Valentine's Day weekend, Uh, the holiday of love where uh, emotions and feelings are in the air. We thought we'd put angels and demons aside for now and take a look at what the Bible says about how to handle, uh, how to manage, how to deal with our feelings and our emotions. And so uh, I want to encourage everyone who hasn't had a chance yet uh, to join the over 450 people who have downloaded our free Valley Christian Church app. Uh, A lot of great tools on that app, but one of them is you can follow along with this message and and the notes and fill in the blank as we go along and and conclude this Q&A series with uh, uh, The message how do I manage my emotions? How do I manage my emotions and I'm going to start off our time together just by giving you the big idea the big takeaway from this topic of how do I manage my emotions and the big idea is this if you want to succeed you must master your emotions this is true in terms of relationships this is true in terms of being on the job if you want to succeed in life you must master your emotions by controlling your emotions it's the only way that you can get the most out of the people around you as well as getting the most out of yourself in, in your life and, and Managing your emotions, this question about how do we deal with how we feel is really important, and it's obviously was important to all of you. That's why it made it into the top five, but it's also really important to God. Uh, God doesn't want to just be the God of our thoughts and the God of our actions. He wants to be the God of our feelings. After all, feelings come from God. God has emotions. God felt hatred towards sin and joy and grief and, and frustration at times. And so uh, the, 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 the ability that we have to even have feelings and have emotions come from God. And that was never more evident than in this verse I want to start off with. It's, it's found in the Gospel of Mark chapter 12, and it's an answer that Jesus gave to a question that was posed to him by the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Those were the keepers of the law and the rulers of the day, and they didn't really like Jesus too much because he would be eroding their authority and their control over the people. So they would typically ask him questions in an effort to try to trap him, trick him. And and they asked him one question, Rabbi, what is the greatest commandment? And I want you to take a look at Jesus' answer found in verses 29 and 30. Jesus said this, the most important commandment is this, You must love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. Can't you just hear the emotion in Jesus' answer in his words? I mean, he could have easily just answered the question, most important commandment is to love the Lord your God. But he didn't. He made a point of letting us know that God wants all of us, he wants all our heart, all our emotions, all our feelings to be directed in unity and in love towards him. So God wants to be the God of our emotions, and, and what I want to do is I want to I let you guys off the hook. I'm not going to ask you what you've learned uh, about in terms of dealing with your emotions. I'm up here. I got the mic. I'm going to take one for the team, and I'm going to share with you uh, from some experiences in my life what I've learned, a couple of lessons that I've learned about how, regarding my emotions. The first lesson I've learned is this. I can't always trust my feelings. I've learned that I cannot always trust my feelings. In, in the book of Proverbs, chapter 14, verse 12, it says this, there's a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way to death. There's a way that seems right. Everything in you, all the feelings, all the emotions, just make you feel like this is the right thing to do. This is, this is true, and this is right Bible says its end is the way to death. Could it be actual death, physical death? Sure. Somebody cuts you off on the road, you just feel like it's just the right thing to get, get ahead of them and cut them back, and there's a car accident, and someone loses their life. Sure, that could happen, but I think the real meaning to this verse, its end is the way to death, is the opposite of true living, the opposite of full living, the opposite of, of the plan and the purpose that God has for our life. There's a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way to death. I've learned that I can't always trust my feelings. And I learned that from some painful experiences in my life. As a, somebody meets me today, and I've heard, I've heard myself be described, usually to my wife, but sometimes to friends of mine, that Pastor Andy, he's, he's gentle, he's understanding, he's, he's compassionate, he's caring. And that's good, because I'm now the care pastor, so I want to be known as those things. Uh, and that's a compliment, but it's, it's a compliment really for God. Uh, not for me, because Suzanne knows when she receives those uh, words, those compliments, she kind of chuckles to herself, and so do I, because I know the old me, apart from God, was anything but that. As a young boy, I think I could be accurately described as an angry person. I, I definitely had issues with, with regards to anger. As a young boy, I got into a lot of fights. At school, on the bus, boy, the bus. The bus. Every lousy thing I ever learned in my life, I learned on a school bus, you know? Um, My parents taught us, my siblings and I, manners, and we could be polite, but as a young boy, I I had a lack of self-control. And it, it was that way because I had a consideration of God, but not the power of God invited into my life and flowing through me. So as a result, I'm not proud to admit it, but as a young boy, I put my fist through walls, put my fist through glass, I had some anger issues and, and some self control issues. And um, it, it, there, just as we don't have to believe everything we think, I learned that I don't have to trust everything that I feel. I learned that um, through some uh, difficult experiences in my early years and, and anger, uh, because I knew that I was out of control. I did not have self-control in my life. And so I realized that I can't always trust my feelings. The next thing I learned is this. I can be easily manipulated. If I let my feelings and my emotions control me, I can be easily manipulated. In the book of Proverbs 25, 28, it says this. Whoever has no rule over his own spirit is like a city broken down, without walls. A city has walls to fortify itself, to protect itself against outside intruders. Uh, but if that, those walls are starting to crumble down from the inside, you're not only susceptible to attacks from the outside, you're susceptible to attacks on the inside. Those feelings that just swirl around inside of you, that uh, the enemy can just have a field day with, you can become easily manipulated by. If we don't control our emotions, our emotions are going to control us if we're always guided by our gut you know we're just going to go with our gut instead of what is true and what is right and what our convictions say and what the truth of the word says and the guidance and the counsel of the holy spirit and inviting people into our lives to who love us and care about us if we just always go with our gut feeling always go with our emotions we're going to be like the wind blowing this way and that way or like the waves in the ocean crashing this way and that way. There's not going to be any consistency or any dependability to our actions, to our responses. And we can become easily manipulated. Now fast forward for me from my younger years to now in high school. And for me, when I started high school back then it was in 10th grade. So I'm 16 years old, I'm a sophomore, and I'm entering Ketchum High School. And when I entered Ketchum High School, Boy, it was like entering a candy store. Uh, I had some smarts so I could hang out with the smart kids. I had a little bit of athletic ability and played some sports so I could hang out with the jocks. And then I could make people laugh so I could found out I could hang out with the cool kids. And boy, as I entered into my sophomore year, uh, my head started to grow because I started to recognize uh, some ladies in the, in the school, and they started to recognize me. And those feelings started to swirl around. You're 16, so you're, you got things swirling around in you anyway. And then when you start to get some compliments, and you start to get flattered, and I got easily flattered, I would have girlfriend after girlfriend, and, and my head started to get big. If my siblings were here now, they would say, yeah, it was a difficult time to be Andy's sister, uh, and it was true, and it, and it, and it kind of culminated um, about halfway through the year when, when my girlfriend was the captain of the uh, varsity cheerleading team, and a senior, and probably the most popular girl in school, so among my 16-year-old sophomore friends, I was like a god, I mean, my head was like out to here, and I got easily manipulated. Um, I thought I was all that in a bag of chips, and I thought, boy, this high school thing, this is awesome. This is great. Went to the senior prom with my girlfriend, and, um, you know, it, it should have occurred to me, right? She's a senior. It's, she's graduated. She's going to go off to college, and I'm a 16-year-old just starting my high school uh, time, but it was at a party where I realized, you know, I was talking to a few people, and I didn't see her around for a while, couldn't find her, and so I finally went out looking for her. I went in the back of the house that the party was at, and I found her cuddling up with a guy smoking marijuana, and I was like, ugh. I got manipulated, and so I learned uh, that if we don't control our emotions, our emotions are going to control us, and that's where the enemy lives. The enemy, Satan, lives in our emotions. And if he can kick up emotions, it doesn't matter whether they're negative emotions or positive emotions, he wants to kick them up and he wants to create a lot of dust and he wants to get us off track and distracted. His one goal is to get our focus off of God. He doesn't really care what our focus gets on as long as it's off of God. And, and, and he'll, he'll stir up some things in us. He'll stir up envy and bitterness and jealousy, and frustration, and he'll wreak havoc, and he'll have a, he'll have a, a, a time just beating us up with shame, or worry, or anxiety. Uh, it's where he lives, and, and it, if we allow it, it's where we can become easily manipulated. In 1 Peter 5.8, it says this, be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. Like I said, Satan will use negative emotions. He'll use positive emotions. This is one time where I kind of got it right. Fast forward now to grad school. I finished grad school and I thought at that time I wanted to be uh, a college professor. So I took advantage of opportunities to teach at at Cornell University, at Marist College, at Mount St. Mary College and Dutchess Community College. And one of those opportunities I got was to teach in the Marist College prison program. So I had an opportunity to teach uh, a class on small group communications to 25 prisoners in a medium security facility for eight weeks. So half the class was kind of older gentlemen who had kind of done some serious crimes and were working their way out of the penal system, and about half of them were younger individuals who were doing more serious crimes and working their way up, unfortunately. But their lives consisted of small groups, whether it be Alcoholics Anonymous or anger management or conflict resolution groups. I felt like if I could get in there and teach them some skills to help them navigate those groups uh, more effectively, it would help them. And I also knew at that time, that was a hurdle, that I, you know, it was a big thing to do. I mean, coming into a prison that I n- had no experience with and, and dealing with intimidation and fear, uh, boy, I knew if I could get over that hurdle, at that point, that would have been probably one of the hardest things that I'd ever done. I remember the first day, uh, I, I, I'd gone through training and orientation. And I, I knew the building where the class was gonna be held. <clears throat> but I didn't know the classroom. So I go to the classroom for the first day, and by for security reasons, all the s- prisoners had to be in their seats before I got there. So I walk in, put my bag on the table, introduce myself, and I'm Mr. Salino in this group. This class is going to be about small group communications. And I start talking about what the class is going to be, and realize very early on, very quickly, that they're a little agitated and not very focused. So I stopped and said, what's up? What's going on? Did I miss something? And one of the younger guys said, ain't nothing going to happen in this classroom till you shut that door. I was like, all right. Shut the door. Hi, my name is Mr. Salino. This is Small Group Communication. I knew for me this was a hurdle to get over. And, and, and it, at that point, it was one of the toughest things. But, but I accomplished it. And I believe that I helped those, those, those folks who took that class navigate those small groups. And I proved something to myself. But that was 20 years ago. That was decades ago. I don't live there. In fact, I've been in this church for 15 years. I think I've told that story to about five people, and some of them are corrections officers, so there'd be some relatability. Um, The enemy wants us to live in our past or get distracted by it or off focus. Um, Dale Bronner, a great pastor and speaker, he said this, the enemy wants you to get stuck in the best of your past, so that you will not focus on God's best for your future. It really doesn't matter whether it's negative emotions or positive ones, negative feelings, negative memories, or positive ones. As long as the devil can get you swirled around on a hamster wheel going real, real fast and not getting anywhere, talking about the size of the fish every time. I'm just stuck in that story. Boy, I caught it. It was like that. Wow. Then the enemy's like, I got him right where I want him, because he's focused there, and he's not seeing what God has for him. So a couple things I've learned is I can't always trust my feelings, and I can be easily manipulated. I hope that's somewhat relatable uh, to us. Um, So what I want to do in our remaining time together is I want to do what we do here at Valley. We get real, real practical. These are big, broad topics, but they're topics that you selected, but the Bible is real, real practical. Uh, So I want to get real, real practical and encourage each of you with some ideas and a strategy to help better manage your emotion. The first thing we need to do if we want to manage our emotions better today than yesterday is we have to name it. We have to name it. We have to, death and life comes from the tongue. We have to speak words of life. If we've got an unwanted, out-of-control emotion, and we we try to shove it down, it's just going to get worse. We got to speak life over it, which means we got to start to identify it. In Psalm 55, 1 and 2, the psalmist is speaking to God. In fact, he's pleading with God, and I want you to hear his emotion in this verse. He says this, open your ears to my prayer, O God. Do not hide from my plea for mercy. Pay attention to me. And answer me. My thoughts are restless and I am confused. Boy, how relatable is that? When we've got unwanted, out-of-control emotions, we can't start to make sense of it. And we're restless and confused. Well, the thing that we can start to do to start to make sense of an out-of-control emotion is we can name it. You can't manage a vague feeling You can't manage a vague feeling. If you can't name it, then you can't identify it. And if you can't identify it, then you can't even begin to start working on it. So what do we do? I think in the effort to start trying to name it, we need to ask ourselves some really important questions. First of all, we need to ask, what am I really feeling? What am I really feeling. We need to slow everything down, we need to carve out some elbow room, and we need to ask ourselves, what am I really feeling? Sometimes what we think we're feeling, we're not really feeling at all. Uh, we, 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 we may be a little down, we may be a little discouraged, we may be a little disappointed, but we will so be so quick to say, oh, I'm depressed. And don't get me wrong, there's people who are really depressed, but we need to start asking ourselves, what am I really feeling? we need to start peeling back the layers of the onion and start naming, what made me feel this way? What am I really feeling? When we start to do that, we start to understand, maybe, maybe I got criticized at work, and I didn't like it, so I'm a little down. Or maybe a situation didn't work out the way I thought it should, so I got a little discouraged. Or maybe somebody didn't do what I expected them to do, So I got a little disappointed in them. If if we don't ask ourselves these questions, if we don't carve out, we can misdirect and mislabel feelings that we have and grab a label, grab a title, grab um, some weight, grab an identity that says I'm depressed, I've been depressed for a long time. We need to start asking ourselves some serious questions, some introspective questions. What is it that I'm really feeling? Another thing we need to ask is, what are my triggers? For me, I shared with you a few moments ago that for me, it's anger. I need to know what those triggers are, and God's allowed me to see them. And when I identify those triggers, I know to keep enough margin between me and that emotion. What are my triggers? What's the emotion that you have the most problem with? What's the emotion that you struggle with the most? What triggers it? What triggers it? If you can't talk about it, it's already out of control. If you've got anger issues and nobody can get in there to kind of talk about it, it's already out of control. If you've got fear issues and you're too afraid to talk about it, it's already out of control. It's in talking about it that we start the process of gaining control over our emotions. We start the process of naming it. What is it? What is it that we really feel? It's, it's If we don't talk about it, we're going to end up, if we don't talk it out, we're going to end up taking it out on ourselves, and it'll come out in things like worry and stress and anxiety. Triggers can be anything. Triggers can be a word someone says or a question someone asks. I know if you ask 10 people, uh, if you say to 10 people something like, you look tired nine of them will react you know it's not that great maybe i don't feel so well but they'll let it roll off their back but one of them that really bothers them that really bothers them so to know those triggers it may be something that you see or hear for me, I, as a former Catholic, I was an altar boy for many years, so I think the smell of incense is just permanently up my nose. Uh, one time here, uh, it was Good Friday, and Dr. Gregg wanted to have a sensory experience, so he had a crown of thorns for our sight, and he was burning incense for our smell. And I walked in the church like I've done a million times and didn't know it, didn't know it was going to hit me, and all of a sudden I smelled incense, and I was, it was just taking me back, taking me back to those years as an altar boy and as a Catholic, and Started twitching a little bit. But what are those triggers? What are those triggers? Um, You can't hope to tame it until you start to name it. You can't hope to tame it until you start to name it. We need to name that unwanted, out of control emotion. The next thing we need to do is we need to challenge it. We need to challenge it. You don't automatically accept that what you're feeling is accurate, just just as the same way you don't accept what you're thinking is true. You're not going to accept what you feel as true. You need to challenge it. And the best way to do that is by going to God. The best way for a lot of things is by going to God first. But we need to invite His Holy Spirit into that situation. That's why we sang in worship uh, before the gathering. Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. We invite you in. We invite you in to this situation and to this emotion. In Psalm 26, 2, it says this, Look closely at me, Lord, and test me. Judge my deepest thoughts and emotions. We need to ask God to come in and test us and evaluate us and challenge these feelings and by His Holy Spirit help to bring up to us what's good and what's right and what's true and what's best for us. And then when the Holy Spirit does that, we need to dismiss any emotion, any feeling that doesn't match up with God. Another way to do this is to invite a friend. Doesn't have to be a lot of friends. can be just one, but somebody that you've given permission to, somebody that you've invited into your life to speak into your life because you know they love you, and you know they've got your best intentions at heart. Job had such a friend. In the book of Job, when things were crashing around him and and he was reacting to things that were um, changing in his life, he had a friend named Eliphaz, And in Job chapter 15, verse 12, Eliphaz said this to him. He asked Job, why has your heart carried you away? And why do your eyes flash with anger? This was different than Eliphaz had ever seen in Job. Uh, I I know for Suzanne and I, uh, Olivia tends to do this a lot. She comes in the room and if if we've had an argument or something that we're a little down about, she'll walk in, what's that, what's that? What's, what's that on your face? What's that? And you're just like, oh, you know. But somebody that will speak into your life. You can need to invite a friend to challenge your emotions, to say, Andy, that's not what you're saying, what you're thinking. It's not really God's best for you. So we need to go to God and invite his Holy Spirit in. We need to invite a friend. Uh, we also need to challenge ourselves with some really deep, introspective questions. And here's some suggestions that I would give you on how you can start to challenge yourself. Ask yourself these things what is the real reason I'm feeling this? I know there's a lot of emotion and there's a lot being kicked up and it'd be easy for me to point fingers and blame other people, but what, what is it that I'm really feeling? What's the real reason that I'm feeling this? After that, is it true? Is it true? Sometimes so much dust can kicked up, get kicked up and so much emotion can be flying. This might not even be right. Uh, it, I could be taking it out on somebody it has nothing to do with the situation, but because... I've been holding on to stuff from the past. Is it even true? And then finally, is it helping me or hurting me? You're you're not going to be able to challenge an unwanted emotion until you answer that question. Is this really going to get me where I want to go? If I'm just getting all bothered and kicking up a lot of dust about this unwanted emotion that I have, uh, is this going to help me? Does it ever help me? when i'm pointing fingers when i'm angry when i've got sharp edges to myself does that work with me when someone does that to me is it helping me or is it hurting me so we need to name it we need to challenge it and the final thing we need to do is we need to channel it we need to channel it in philippians chapter 2 verse 5 it says this have the same attitude as christ jesus have the same attitude as Christ Jesus, I was I was with someone uh, recently who had just uh, gone through some time at the hospital, and she had a bracelet on. It said W W J D. Right? What would Jesus do? I mean, it's not. It's a really good question to ask. What would Jesus do? What would Jesus think? What would Jesus feel? How would Jesus react? Um, we need to dismiss any feeling or emotion that doesn't line up with that question. What would Jesus do? Like I mentioned before, it's Valentine's Day, so for t- some, this, this kicks up emotions of love and togetherness. But for others, it kicks up some other emotions, like maybe a lost love or a broken relationship or feelings of loneliness uh, and, 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 and being alone. What is it that you do when you have an unwanted emotion? You just curl up in the fetal position and hunker down and say, no one's gonna hurt me anymore? Or do you channel it? Do you channel it? My time as a pastor has thankfully, put me in front of so many people who, in my opinion, have never really received love, have never been on the receiving end of love, don't even know what real love is. You know, they kind of look at you like, why would you do that for me? Why would you say that about me? Or why would you give this to me? What's your angle? What is it that you want? What is it that you're driving at? Nothing. I just love you and I want you to have it. I want to I encourage you with this. There are so many people that instead of hunkering down and getting in a fetal position, if we've got unwanted emotions, we can channel it and and change that churning uh, and that hamster wheel of just negative emotions into energy to towards somebody else. How are we going to do that? If you're listening to me now and you say, I, I'm just angry, and I don't know that I can get over my anger, or I'm fearful, and I don't know that I can get over my fear. How do I do that? Well, Zechariah 4, verse 6b says this, You won't succeed by might or by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. That is really the only way to do it. It's not by willpower. It's that God has the will and the power to change that unwanted emotion into an action that honors him and benefits someone else. In Galatians 5:22 and 23, we, we see what the receiving end is of this, this channeling type of question that we have. The first channeling type of question that we need to ask ourselves every day is we need to ask God, we need to ask God to fill me with his Holy Spirit. That's the only way we're going to channel that unwanted emotion into an action that glorifies God and ends up helping, fulfilling us in the process. In Galatians 5, and 23, it says this, when the Holy Spirit controls our lives, he will produce this kind of fruit in us, love and joy and peace and patience, kindness and goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. Uh, I, I'm, some of those descriptive words that my wife hears when I'm described, and I know that's the new me, it's certainly not the old me. It's when the Holy Spirit is invited in and controls my emotions, controls my life, and gives me self-control. We need to ask God every day to fill us with His Holy Spirit. Self-control comes from God control. When I'm full of myself, a lot of things tick me off. But when I'm full of God, very little ticks me off. We need to ask every day God to fill us with our Holy Spirit. We also need to ask every day for God to help us manage our mouth. Death and life comes from the tongue. You can have a big, huge huge cruise ship that's directed by a comparatively speaking tiny rudder or a thousand-pound horse that's directed by a bit that's in its mouth. Our tongue will get us in trouble. Look at this in Proverbs 13.3. It says, those who control their tongue will have a long life, but opening your mouth can ruin everything. Isn't that so true? We need to ask God every day to help us manage our mouth so that that churning that one time happened in our inside of us, uh, that negative emotion can get channeled and replaced with this verse, Psalm 1914. It says, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight. Instead of churning a negative emotion, we can meditate on what the Holy Spirit provides to us, love and joy and peace and patience, all the nine lists of fruit of the spirits, culminating with self-control. The big idea to our attempt to try to manage our emotion um, better today than we did yesterday is this. If you want to succeed in life, if you want to succeed in relationships, if you want to succeed in any endeavor and in any aspect of your life, you must master your emotions. Uh, you need to replace those words from a, with new words that's from a new heart, that's from a new life that God's Son Jesus came to purchase for you. I'm going to ask, would you bow your heads with me, and let's come to the Lord in prayer. Father God, in Jesus' name, Lord, I thank you so very much for today. I thank you, Lord, for your, your word that's alive and sharp. I thank you for your Holy Spirit that guides us and enc- encourages us to, the, to the, uh, the strategy, Lord, to help manage our emotions. I thank you for this whole series that's just been so practical and given us such a a, a sharp and alive way to approach these very, very difficult topics. Lord, I pray that each person here, uh, as they leave, Lord God, would have exactly what they need, uh, the the strategy and the wisdom and the boldness to name that emotion that's been tripping them up, to challenge that emotion by going to you, and going to friends and and, and challenging themselves with some deep questions. And then finally by channeling uh, that unwanted emotion into an action that would glorify you. Lord, we give you glory and honor and praise today in Jesus' name. amen. Amen. Amen.